the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 121, and our guest is Colin Halliburton. Colin is the lead singer and principal songwriter for the Kansas-based band The Rose Line. In the fall of 2022, The Rose Line released two wonderful singles, Hot Dice and Saber Rattlers. Their latest full-length record, Constancy, was one of my favorite albums of 2021, and it remains a go-to record whenever an open road presents itself. We caught up with Colin via Zoom recently for a wide-ranging conversation about the fortuitous way his music came into my life, the magic of melody, the Rose Line's excellent new releases, and so much more. Colin was an absolute delight, and it is my great pleasure to bring you my conversation with Colin Halliburton. Man, I'm, I'm just so excited to talk to you. I I don't know if I've ever told you the, the how I got into your music, but I think for folks listening, it's fun um, to hear. You know, as as tw- especially as Twitter falls off into the ocean or whatever is happening to it at the moment. Um, I like I went to see Austin Lucas and Matt Woods play right before your record Constancy came out, and uh, I locked myself out of my house and okay. I had left I left the keys in the in the Uber. And so I'm waiting for the Uber to come back and bring bring me my keys. And so I just put out on Twitter, like, you know, what's everybody doing? I got nothing to do. Anybody want to talk or ask questions or whatever? And uh, Craig from All Knowing McGill threw in in this throughout this conversation. Hey, the, you got to check out the Rose Line. There's this new record coming out. Check it out. And so I listened to a couple of singles and was floored, pre-ordered the record. And it's just been one of the things I've listened to the most since its release. And so... I'm just so excited to dive in, man, because I've spent so much time with your music over the last year and a half or so. Sweet. That's awesome. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's uh it is awesome. And it's like one of those, you know, you've been making records for a long time and it's just hard to, you know, it's hard to get through all the noise. I mean, it's it, this sure. is this is music made for me, you know, like this music hits me so hard. And for whatever reason, I, you didn't come across my radar for so long. I'm so glad you did eventually. And I'm so glad we get to talk about it. I want to talk about that record. I want to talk about your wonderful new singles. I want to talk about just creativity in general and, and, um, and get down with you. But I want to start with my favorite song of yours, which is hunker down, which feels like it just sort of opened my brain and sort of like, took out all of my thoughts and put them into this 
this gorgeous song like it, it so there's so many lines from it you know and there's so many lines from that whole record that i i'm, I'm careful with my words right now because i don't want it to sound like um like Joe Rogan or men men's rightsy or something. When I say this, um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, it like gets to the, 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 the 30, 30s, 40 something male condition in, in, a, in yeah, such yeah. a way, you know, um, fuck Joe Rogan for the record. The marinade does not uh, support Joe Rogan or his bigotry. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, we still have feelings and we have thoughts and there's so much in that song and that whole record that really speaks to me. And I wonder if you could talk about that particular song and if you remember how it came together. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was just um, um, grappling with the idea of, of growing up and settling down and um, what once was, um, you know, entertaining and my way of life was no longer that appealing to me um you know like that like at its core it's essentially just a song about like i would rather hang out with my family at home than like go party you know yeah yeah um but yeah yeah i think that's that, that's pretty much how it came about lyrically at least yeah well, you know, there's so many lines that, again, I can, you know, I connect with um, in all. And, and that is true for all of your music. The way that you write, you write in a very, um, a very clear way. Um, and, and, you know, what I mean by that is like you, you are, uh, there's an economy to your words. Um, it is very, uh, at least to me, what you're trying to say comes through very clearly, even if it's not necessarily topical it's clear and uh you have this like this wonderful way with language and i wonder where that comes from um and and kind of piggybacking on that sort of where lines like on your on saber rattlers that's coming out soon your forthcoming single all these saber rattling racist frat boy cock cucks in control like some there's alliteration in there there's like it's such an uh, evocative um imagery to that and it and there's it, like how where do these lines come from for you and and what does that process look like i don't know um i mean i i think like um like my process for writing songs has pretty much been the same like since i started which is it's really simple and pretty boring <laughs> and it's just like I, you know, stumble upon a chord progression I kind of like. I sing a melody, um, which is just very, like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, impulsive. Or, like, it's the first thing that pops out, the melody. I kind of add the, um, you know, get, get the meter down, get the phrasing down, like, syllabically what I want to how I want to fit the line in and I'm just singing gibberish. Um, mm. And then I kind of fill in the words to match that, that, um, that phrasing or that meter. Um, but yeah, the two like probably most mysterious things, you know, for me in songwriting is like melody and um, mm. 
and just where the lyrics come from. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, well, I, like once I figure out the phrasing and the meter, um, it comes fairly easily. Can we unpack that melody question a little bit? Because I, you know, I don't know if I've ever really asked somebody to dive into melody and where it comes from because I, I totally agree that it's mysterious and for me as a as someone who uh, so, uh, writes songs as, as a hobby um, lyrics are always there and and for me that's because I'm constantly writing I'm constantly reading I'm constantly consuming words and so and I and I feel like I have a lot to say whether that's true or not is debatable but <laughs> I feel like I have a lot to say and so the words are always there and it is less mysterious to me um, because I'm whatever writing I'm doing, I'm writing about what I'm feeling, what matters to me, what I think I need to say. Whereas melody is mystical to me. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. And I wonder if we could dive in a little bit, like how do we get to that place? Like how do you, cause these melodies are infectious on all, all of your songs. So how do you get to that place where melody is is coming to you that that's a good question i don't know if i have an answer for it um it, it remains a mystery to me kind of but it, it's kind of the most uh effortless thing for me in the in the whole process for whatever reason i don't know if it's like you know what i grew up listening to or what i was exposed to or I have no idea, but, um, yeah, as soon as I get a, like, I mean, you give me two chords or whatever, three chords, um, almost instantaneously, I, I, I have a melody, um, to go with it. And it is, it is just like pretty abstract, like, um, and, and mysterious, but, um, yeah, I don't know. So how just, er, how early were how early were melodies coming to you? Like how far back can you trace that? Um, in your life, oh, man, I don't know. I mean, I was really young. I I I had always like really liked singing. <laughs> um, mm. um, like way before I ever picked up a guitar, which I did pretty late in life, anyway um but yeah i was always singing like while mowing the lawn or like uh mm -hmm. in the shower or in the car or wherever um but yeah i would just um i was always just making up songs and lines and um just i just liked the like physical act of singing kind of um for whatever reason i don't know if i was like good at it but um i always liked um singing yeah i love that you mentioned those those particular tasks and that this has come up before on the show but maybe not in this way the shower driving so many songwriters say songs come to him when they're driving Corey brandon just the other day i talked to him and he mentioned the song coming to him uh, while driving um, mowing the lawn has not come up, but dude, I can relate to that. Just ideas in general coming. I love mowing the lawn for that reason. I do this, too. Like, you know what I mean? It's like this, yeah. I feel like those tasks are so automatic 
Driving yeah. shouldn't be. We should pay more attention than we right. do. But th- those tasks are just so automatic. Rote almost. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. just I'd wash my body the same way every day. Yeah. When I'm cutting the grass, I'd have the same pattern at cutting the grass. So there's it's like my brain is sort of occupied, but at the same time, I've got room, you know, sort of creative room in my brain mm-hmm. and things come up that way. That's maybe there's some maybe there's a bit of an answer to to our question about melody. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think if if you have that sort of just rote activity to do to to give yourself some space, um, that 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 may open up some some part of your brain or something that that can access those melodies better. You've been kind of uh, what I would say is prolific in the last few years. Um, you had you had constancy, and then. Um, just what, like the year before good grief comes out. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so it, it feels like there, is there a momentum to you and do you write like following a momentum? Um, it, it sure doesn't feel that way <laughs> at the moment to be totally honest. Um, I, I think with good grief, um, there was a momentum because there was, kind of an urgency behind it well there were two things there was i was my wife and i were expecting our first kid um and so i knew i wanted to get some stuff done before she arrived Mm -hmm. um and then there was obviously the pandemic and lockdown so i had the time too Mm. um and I, i did kind of um i did kind of create somewhat of a work ethic for for that where i would i would go down in our basement pretty much every night for a couple hours um and just play guitar and and see if anything came from it you know um and i found like the the more you do that just um you know with no expectations like Mm. the more material you're going to manifest. Um, and then, um, and then, so with constancy, uh, obviously our daughter was already here and then, uh, and I've heard, you know, songwriters talk about this before too, maybe even on your podcast, but like when you have a kid, those, those free moments become like even that much more precious for you know creativity Mm -hmm. so whether it's like 20 minutes here there whatever you kind of like really get in the zone and uh and try to pack it in just because there is that that urgency to it um so yeah i think that's why those two records kind of came together fairly quickly they feel and maybe it's just a product of all of that that was happening because they feel like almost like companions those two records as i listen to them yeah yeah and i think um part of that probably is that we recorded it you know same studio same engineer mm-hmm. um, mixing and everything so sonically they're they're fairly similar um i think we took a few more like quote risks on constancy but um mm. uh good grief seems 
fairly straightforward um just like folk rock alt country record um but yeah yeah i i think that it's you you brought up genre so i'll go there I think that I was I was listening to your your records and uh, preparing for this conversation and trying to think about like, you know, we as as music journalists always have to compare it to something and have to fit it somewhere. And I try not to do that kind of thing as much as I can. I try to find other things to compare. But I was like, there's a there's a there's like a a a vibe more than anything to your music that. I couldn't put my finger on it. I was searching and searching. Like, what is it? Why do I connect with it so much? And I wish there was like a um, counting wallflowers or, or like wallflower crows, like this counting crows wallflowers kind of genre that we had a word for. Cause it's yeah. like that I think is where, uh, cause I was listening to constancy a lot while I also had rediscovered uh, the wallflowers bringing down the horse. And they uh-huh. just fe- felt like, these belong together for whatever reason it's not the same thing um and you write differently than jacob dylan does uh, significantly different i think than he does but still there's that there's a vibe to those bands that the rose line feels like it should fall like you should just fall right in there yeah yeah i like that totally i mean i haven't listened to the wallflowers in decades probably but um and um i mean it's not like cool or hip to admit but me and a couple of my friends definitely like still stand by the first three counting crows records pretty strongly yeah (laughs) like those are fucking great albums yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's becoming cooler. I think as um as we get into the age where we're having more influence over the cultural conversation, I feel like yeah. at this point we're we're dictating a lot of those conversations. And I feel like it's cooler now to admit that you loved Counting Crows because they're great fucking songs. And I don't know where they I don't know where they ended up becoming not cool. I when you listen to those first couple of records, it's like this is undeniably great. I don't care what kind of music you like, I don't care what you're into art-wise, these are undeniably great records. Totally. I agree. But um I think there there's probably a few people that disagree. Fuck those people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Just kidding, folks. If you don't like, no, you know what? No, fuck you. If you don't yeah, like Counting you. Crows, um, <laughs> uh, let's get into the new singles, man. Both just great songs. Um, again, songs that feel like they belong together and feel like they're maybe companions in some way. Are they intentionally? And can you talk about how how each each song came together? Yeah. Um. Um. They do feel kind of like companions to me, but that wasn't intentional. Um, I just realized that after the fact. Um, but yeah, Hot Dice. Um, God, where to start with that? I, I mean, essentially, it's like um, a song about learning when... Um, <laughs> It's like learning when to like shut up basically <laughs> um you know like like i think i i have the, had the tendency like maybe a couple years ago to um 
you, you know, just bring up like um, polarizing political shit at like family dinners or like it just kind of ruin joyful moments with like stuff that I knew would would ruffle feathers or, or piss people off. Um, and and as I got older and and um, just realized how like ineffective that was, like I, I was kind of like, well, what's the point really? Like, I'm not going to like, you know, radicalize my like cousins on vacation while we're like having dinner like by a beach <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude i had a, I had a sorry to interrupt but i had just a moment the other day that i, I think you will relate exactly to this which is and i think that's why these songs i connect with them so much because that i deal with this shit all the time right like i'm constantly talking about it but the other day uh i went to watch the u.s um england soccer game that world cup game and um I, my local bar was open for it and it's a great place because it is the type of place where there'll be like uh, someone who's an avowed Marxist uh, sitting next to someone with like a DeSantis 2024, 2028 sticker, you know, and, okay. and, and, it, and the political discussions happen in there. The debates happen. Sometimes it gets messy, but for the most part, people are really civil and, and we just watch football and drink beers. You know, it's usually, it's kind of a beautiful place, right? In that way. So I'm going to this game, right? And um, I don't, I'm not very patriotic. I mean, I'm like a lot of folks, sort of uh, liberals who uh, really get fired up about the Olympics and turn all nationalists for the Olympics or for a soccer game. And then immediately I go back to like, not, not wearing red, white, and blue. <laughs> like right. even on accident so anyway right. i don't have anything with like american flags on it or anything i have yeah. one pearl snap shirt that van plating gave me that's badass it has an eagle and a flag on it but that <laughs> didn't seem appropriate for this game so <laughs> uh but i have a uh an immigrants make america great shirt it looks like a like a maga shirt but it says immigrants make america great and it's red and i had a, a blue hat and i was like had it on and i was like you know what it's not a like a real strong statement, but I'm making a statement and I feel like it's going to be the right move, you know, here. And it, right before I got out the door, I was like, dude, you're just going to watch a soccer game. Like, you don't <laughs> you don't have to make a fucking statement like you right, can just right. USA chant right now and everybody's yeah. going to have fun. And so I changed yeah. shirts and I'm glad I did because it was everybody just had a fucking blast. And it yeah, and there was no reason for me to like make somebody's blood pressure go up because they saw my shirt, you know? Totally. Yeah. That is a perfect analogy to what, what hot dice is kind of about. <laughs> um, and then um, Saber Rattlers is kind of similar idea where, you know, the narrator or who, it, I guess it's me um, in the song. Um you know, start starts the whole song starts with this pretty bold line, like almost like a punk rock line or something. Um, it's all this like virtue signaling, you know, um, kind of self righteous stuff. Um, but like in the process, I realized like you know you you can act like you're. Um, this virtuous righteous dude but if you're not like 
you know, being a good husband or dad or partner, um, it, it's kind of like defeats the purpose, you know? Um, sure. Or critical. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of like the, you know, political climate and Twitter doom scrolling would just like put me in a shitty mood and I would find myself sort of taking it out on the people around me and the people I love. And, and, um, and that's just, um, you know, no way to, to behave really. Um, it's just a constant struggle because, you know, like I, I think it's beautiful that what you're saying and, and, and just, and the uh, conclusions you're coming to, but it's also like, you know, Ron DeSantis is a real threat to democracy, you know, like, like we're talking about things that are, that are important, you know, um, but balancing being concerned about that and in the right way, speaking on it and speaking out against it. It is is a tough balance, you know, with because there is a need to say something and there's a need to do things. But at the same time, like you said, it's a hell of a mature realization that you had where you went, wait a minute, I'm taking this out on people I love, right. you know, things that I have very little control over, too. You know, yeah. um, yes, I should speak on them. Yes, they should upset me. That's normal. But that balance is is really tough. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's just about learning how to compartmentalize that and and not let it bleed into you know the the parts of your life where you need to be really like gentle and compassionate and uh and loving yeah yeah and i think also there's a, a little bit of an element of um i'm hearing you say and also as i listen to the song there's an element of like not wanting to be being careful about being judgmental. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I was thinking about this uh, the other day, like how we have, and I'm not sure if I've spoken about it on the show, but we'll go, go with it. How, if I see an American flag sticker now, I, my brain immediately goes, well, there's a racist, which is, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's not true, <laughs> right? Yeah. It might yeah. be true, but that's yeah. not true. And that's a bad place headspace for me to be in that I, that yeah. my brain immediately does that, but it does. And totally. so I have to be really careful about judging people. Cause I know that I immediately make a judgment about that person. Uh, if I see an American flag and a cross, I'm like, well, there's a bigot, but yeah. that's not fair because that person, you know, and I had a situation last summer that, um, I was making a comment, like a judgment about somebody judging them similarly. And, uh, and my buddy at that same bar, my buddy was like, you don't know that guy yet. And so he was, I was like, you're right. You're right. And so then I got to know the guy and I, of course I was totally wrong. Right. I was like, yeah, right. I was completely wrong. He was a very, very reasonable person, mostly apolitical, yeah. uh, had nuanced thoughts about the world. And I just felt like such a dick, but it's an important lesson because that judgment can creep in. And a song like Saber Rattlers is really helpful for to process, not being judgmental and not rushing to those conclusions. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um. Yeah. Yeah. The I don't know. I guess it just comes with age. Um, being able to to not immediately. Um, judge, you know, the American flag dudes is like exactly what you said. 
Um, yeah. And that's but, a hard one. That's a, that's a hard one because it's like, because to me, the American flag dudes, uh, in my life, at least I've only recognized them as a, as someone I'm going to stereotype post Trump. Now they I, I'm learning now more and more I'm coming to grips with the fact that that shit was all laying there under the surface. And then he became the conduit through which it was main became mainstream. And so like, that's just a hard thing for me because of some of the people that I've, that I've loved and spent time with some of the music that I've listened to, like I'm starting to come to grips with bands that I really loved and spent time with that. Now I look back and listen to the songs. And I'm like, Oh shit, dude, you should have <laughs> known that guy was a bigot. <laughs> you oh, <know>? no. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, Oh shit. You know, <laughs> I love that song and I love that song. And then I listen back to the lyrics and I go, Oh motherfucker. <laughs> I just did not see that. I just, that's not how my brain was processing it. Yeah. Um, or I was, you know, growing up in a conservative environment and so like i didn't seem that way and it takes getting out of that environment whether it's physically like in my case or mentally you know uh to be able to separate yourself from those uh influences so you can kind of see things more objectively um but it's a tough realization man oh oh yeah for sure for sure um yeah I mean, the other thing I wanted to mention with Saber Rattlers is it's um, um, it was a big collaboration between me and our guitar player, Bradley, um, to where he he wrote the music like that riff that opens the song. Um, he came up with like at a sound check when we were on tour in Sweden. Um, and we both kind of like looked at each other and was like, that was pretty dope. Cool. And so he just did a voice memo of it, you know, right there. I totally forgot about it. Get back home from tour. He's flushed out, you know, the full song, the full chord progression and sent it to me. And then I wrote the lyrics and melody over that. Um, so that was kind of a unique uh, way of, of creating a song that you know is pretty atypical for us but um i thought i was, was well i was gonna ask you about that because it seems like you do a lot of writing on your own is that true yeah yeah um i'd say the majority of the songs are are you know written by me um just on an acoustic guitar um but yeah it's fun when um when someone like brad can um you know something as simple as like just teaching me a new chord or something you know or, or different voicing um it really kind of opens up my my um i don't know like sense of melody and um just how a song can be structured um because i i just got so used to like relying on the same like five chords i've always played um <laughs> you know and there is you know that kind of romantic like notion of three chords and the truth or whatever but um you know it's okay to like throw in some like more elegant chord voicings every now and again like it's not gonna <laughs> hurt anybody 
That's great. What a, and what a sort of sounds like almost accidental, uh, awakening in that way, you know, just what, what a beautiful organic way to come to that place. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool to see that, see that through, you know, just from a, from its infancy as a, as a riff to like a full song is, was, was fun. That's beautiful. Um, you're a big Kansas Jayhawks basketball fan. And, uh, I'm always jealous when you post pictures from there. I've never been, and I'd like to go. I grew up a Kentucky fan, so like Kansas, UCLA, Duke, Kentucky. It's not, like those, those are these. I've been to Cameron Indoor and I've been to Rupp, but like it feels like there's those the, that rush more of 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 arenas. Um, if you could even call uh call it an arena, that I mean, how how big is now that I say that? How big is Allen Fieldhouse? I don't know. It doesn't feel that big. Yeah, because Cameron's tiny. Cameron is like yeah. really tiny. Right. I I don't know the the actual capacity yeah. of it, but um, seems like a magical place. In regards, yeah, it, it is. It is. It um, it's one of the loudest places you could be. I think that's <laughs> awesome. So who who are the most creative Kansas basketball players of all time? most creative oh man um gosh that's a good question um man maybe like keith lankford (laughs) (laughs) okay mario chalmers okay all right great um I feel like Paul Pierce is the first one that came to mind for me. Paul Pierce, yeah. I feel like he played, he was just so unique in the way that he played. It almost looked like he wasn't good at basketball, even though that obviously he was incredible. He was, yeah. just, he was just so weird in the way that he moved and so so different and interesting. Totally, yeah. You, like I, you watch Paul Pierce and you like look up. I love players like that. Like one time I saw Tim Duncan play and I looked up at the scoreboard and he had 50 points and I was like, bullshit. Right, <laughs> like, right, I, right. I feel like he's, I feel yeah. like he's had three field goal attempts and he's got uh-huh. 50, 50 points. And it was like yeah. the third quarter. Just quietly scoring 50 <laughs> points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul Pierce. We're about the same age, I think. So we he's would 40, like, he's 45. Okay. So he was probably a senior when, when I started, but I don't know. Okay. I, I just remember seeing him in like the, you know, cafeteria and shit and just yeah. being starstruck. That's fun. Yeah. I was just talking to uh, Garrett Caps about how I had Tai Chi class with Matt Bonner um, oh, nice. uh, when I was at Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like get starstruck or anything or like bond over celebs, but if I see, a Jayhawk basketball player like around town or on campus or whatever. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, it's oh. funny. <laughs> yeah. Celebrities funny like that, man. Like I, I agree. I don't usually get starstruck and I, I get to talk to a lot of my heroes, you know? Right. right. So um, I can't really be starstruck. I can show my enthusiasm and I do. Um, yeah. But I, if I was starstruck, it would ruin the show. But uh, the only time I can think of that, I was truly starstruck was when I met the Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> That's the only time I can think of that I was just nice. like, I couldn't get my words out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's amazing. 
<laughs> and he couldn't have been cooler, you know, and he was just real patient with me and couldn't <laughs> have been cooler. Um, what, uh, we just got a few more minutes left. And then at, at the end, if we could, uh, could just restart this because, uh, the, the free version of zoom is about to time us out, but if we could restart it and do that thing we talked about earlier, the Patreon yeah, yeah. exclusive kind of concept, that'd be awesome. Sure. Um, what are you getting down on? What, what art, uh, has you inspired at the moment? What are you listening to? Maybe a book you're reading TV show. Uh, yeah, shoot. Um, what am I listening to? I've been listening to the new, uh, wild pink record a lot. Um, uh, what else? The new, uh, Courtney Marie Andrews record. Is really beautiful. Um, and I'm reading. Um, what am I reading? I'm reading a book by um, Thomas Frank called "The People Know," the people, comma in O. Um, okay, which is like kind of the history of uh, populist movement in america and how that term has been like completely misrepresented lately by pundits and like like people everyone was calling trump a populist yeah yeah like like he's like so far from the origins of populism which was like a real lefty movement like in the late 1800s started in kansas by like farmers essentially um but it's it's really interesting and and he's just a great writer and funny and just trashes the the elites um on both sides of the aisle and um, it's just right up my alley dude i have (laughs) to check that out yeah that sounds right up my alley too I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, Colin, this has been such a pleasure, man. Your two new singles are amazing. Um, Hot Dice is out. They'll both be out by the time I release this so folks can check them out. Um, And uh, I'm just so grateful for your time, man. I mean, again, your music has been such a part, such a soundtrack for my life, especially on drives where I'm going to see, but both my parents are ailing. And that record has been such a companion for me as I'm looking back on my life and the decisions I made and the, you know, the times I was flirting with service industry women and all <laughs> the things that you sing about, right. Yeah. Um, all those things have been a part of my life and I'm reflecting on them as I approach 42. Um, and so I'm really just so grateful for, for the music that you make and, and so grateful for your time right now. And thanks so much for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. And um, you know, I've, definitely have listened to my fair share of, of marinade episodes so that means yeah. a lot to me man thank yeah. you that i always hits a little different when songwriters say they listen um because hopefully the you're grabbing nugget here or there from the amazing people i've been fortunate enough to listen to so thank you so much for that too totally totally your cousins look kind of confused where's the love
Colin Halliburton, y'all. Thank you so much, Colin. Thank all of you for listening. RoselineMusic.com for all things The Roseline. Grab physical copies of their wonderful records. Keep an eye on tour dates and be sure to spend those wonderful new singles. The song you are hearing in this episode is one of those tunes. It's called Hot Dice. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We're especially active on Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the work we're doing as The Marinade. Y'all, we have had such an amazing amazing run lately. The feedback on our episode with Hayes Carl has been outstanding. Thank you so much for that. We have Langhorn Slim recorded and ready to come your way, as well as a very special surprise that I can't say too much about just yet. Thank you so much for supporting this marinade thing. We just covered Orange Blossom Review Festival in Lake Wales, Florida earlier this month, and uh, Jen Ross has some incredible photos that she took there, and then I have a written piece that is almost finished that will probably be uh, released by the time you're hearing this episode. So Marinade Podcast dot com for all of that i want to take a second to show some love for glenn and andrew at the raised by whoops fake radio show glenn reached out and invited me to record an episode of their podcast earlier this month and you can hear that conversation now head over to raisedbywhoops.com or search raised by whoops on your podcast app to hear our talk Glenn is a thoughtful interviewer, and I'm grateful for his time and interest in me and the marinade. It's a wide-ranging conversation about my life and work, and we cover ground I haven't traversed on the show or even on the marinade's Patreon. So check that out, Raised by Whoops, if you're interested. Speaking of the Patreon, if you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. For just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content, like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. Just recently, I posted the, a piece of my conversation with Colin where I asked him some silly questions like his favorite color, his favorite food, that sort of stuff. It was a lot of fun, something different from what we would normally do for the marinade proper. And that's kind of what the, the Patreon is for. I, I post what I'm getting down on. That's an examination of the art that is inspiring me at the moment. Sometimes we get together for Patreon happy hours, which we're overdue for at this moment. So I'm going to take this as inspiration to, to schedule one of those because they're a lot of fun to be able to connect with folks who are marinators from across the country. And it's just a, a, a really great way to connect with people who have similar interests and similar worldviews. And uh, I'm just thankful so much for the for the Patreon community. It's at patreon.com slash marinade podcast. If you're interested and can swing it, if you don't, if you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, I totally get that. We have Venmo and PayPal and we appreciate it. If you just want to give us a tip. It's just at the marinade. You can find us over on those channels. And the money goes right back into the making of the show. Right now, that means saving up to cover some festivals. We've been invited to some very cool events, Jen and I have, and we need to figure out how to pay for those experiences. <laughs> um, but And so the Patreon's great for that. Any, any little tips you can give us are great for that. We appreciate it. But above all, this is a free show, and we're thankful that you listen and you spread the word about the marinade. Until next time. Go out and create something in 2023. Cheers, y'all.